Hello, and you're listening to the Coffee and Books podcast. My, I am your host, Scott. Welcome. We're going to talk today about my latest book that I am halfway through, but there's so much information crammed in there, I want to bring some of it to you now, because I think it's going to be an extra long episode. So let's get started. Okay, so for those of you who know, as I've been recently splitting my time reading, I've been deciding to read manga novels, and I've also been deciding to read actual historical novels and other fiction books. This book that I'm reading currently is one of the largest books that I've ever read. It is very detailed, very accurate, and so before I go spoil what the rating is, I want to talk about what I felt the book is and where I think it belongs in terms of the pantheon of actual history books and why you should read it, Uh, but most importantly, I want to tell you what I thought so far. Okay, so without getting into the spoilers, you should know that I am from the United States, that I do have a background with history, that I enjoy learning about history. There are things about this novel that I already knew ahead of time because I live in the United States. However, a large portion of this history is unexplored in U.S. curricular school systems. We know about Thomas Jefferson. We know about James Madison, you know, the president's. Uh, but we should, I should say that the, in terms of what we actually learned before we get to this novel, it is rather small, which is unfortunate, because both presidents had a very, very, very big, large, impactful background on the U.S. history. And that's pretty much why I wanted to read this book in the first place. I knew that I did not know very much about the, these presidents in terms of U.S. history. In terms of what I already knew... I knew James Madison faced a crisis of 1812, you know, with the war of the British. I knew that the uh, capital was destroyed, the White House, and that was eventually rebuilt. I knew that the Thomas Jefferson purchased Louisiana, per, you know, purchased Louisiana from the French. I knew about the Battle of New Orleans. I knew about the battle with the Tripoli pirates, which we'll get into shortly. And I knew a little bit more about their background with Washington, you know, the first president of the United States, and their relationships with others. Having said that, like I said, everything else is gravy about what I've been learning so far. Now, in terms of readability, or something I like to talk about in this book first, this book is highly advanced. There is a lot of words that, <laughs> as I should say, I've been reading for years, and I feel like this book is a college professional textbook. This is a book you're going to read if you are a historian, and that's pretty much it. Not that I would say don't read it. If you're a big reader, you still may want to tackle it, but oftentimes I'd find myself reading this book where I come across a word I don't know, and I would have to look that word up, because that's how intense this book is. You're reading and reading and reading and gaining all this information, and it's all very detailed, and you would come across words you don't know. So that's why it's taken me so long to read it, also because my reading time has been dwindling. So as a result, you're left with this giant novel that's taking me forever to read. And that's why I'm doing it in two parts. So uh, let's go over the notes now about what I found. Okay, so while I'm recording this, I took notes so I could actually talk to you a little bit better about it. In terms of Madison and Jefferson... This is the notes as I've been reading them. Uh, Number one, both Thomas Jefferson and James Madison were connected by loose association in their state of Virginia before their political careers. Um, As they became, you know, eventually presidents, their relationship over time 
gradually evolved from loose associates to basically best friends. But in the start of the novel, before their political careers really took off, both were farmers and both lived in the state of Virginia and both had loose association. Number two, both would become presidents of the United States and live through historical events that played a major role in the United States. Events such as the American Revolution, Louisiana purchased the expedition of Lewis and Clark, and the War of 1812. So, for those of you who are not familiar with American history, specifically United States history, let's talk about some of these. Uh, the American Revolutionary War was the foundation of our country when the you know 13 U.S. colonies seceded from the British Empire and formed its own country. Um, the Thomas Jefferson was a person who with the help of other colonial revolutionaries, basically penned the Declaration of Independence, which was saying that the United States is separate, and also why they decided to do that, and Jefferson was well known as a good speaker and orator. So, um, Madison was, although involved with the Declaration, you know, he was the brains behind the operation. A lot of his thoughts were revolutionary to the forefront of American politics, and his ideas would eventually help Jefferson form what their a political party would eventually be. But that's sort of down the road. Lewis and Clark Expedition. As I mentioned to you before, um, that's a big part of the Louisiana Purchase as well. But for those of you who don't know, Louisiana Purchase was when the United States was first developing that it was decided that the United States needed to expand westward. As a result, we have this territory that was sort of in dispute between different colonial empires. Spain, France, and England all had territorial claims to the United States, or what is now known as the United States. Jefferson, being as clever and politically correct as he is at the time, was, man was very able-bodied and intelligent as a thinker. He was able to convince Napoleon to sell Louisiana territory or Louisiana Purchase. The main reason for purchasing this was to get the city of New Orleans or New Orleans, depending on where you're from, and that port, which is led into the Gulf of Mexico or Caribbean area for trade. Uh, places like Haiti would eventually become a very important economic resource for the United States. Okay, so that being said, that's kind of a minor background. You know, Jefferson purchased it from the French and was able to double the size of the United States. And then lastly, we have the War of 1812, which I said is sort of a part that I'm not there yet in the novel, but we know that Madison, in effect, was the president. Um, I know that he had to flee the White House with his uh, wife, and it is quite terrible that the British were, you know, fighting the U.S. after such a short time after the Revolutionary War. Okay, so what you should know between the British history and the American history is that your events might differ depending on where you're from. Uh, so in the United States, we're sort of taught about how the U.S. you know, needed to be separate from the British Empire and why the U.S. history sort of teaches this. You know, it is our foundation after all. But I just want to have a little side note and say that most people probably think of the relationship of Great Britain and the U.S. as always being friends, which isn't exactly true. It wasn't until much later history, until about the mid to later 1800s, that the Great Britain Empire at the time 
kind of became friendly with the United States. And oftentimes the United States would play off the French-English rivalries and the Spanish rivalries. Okay, next topic. Jefferson and Madison's radical ideas for the time would inspire the Declaration of Independence and the Federalist Papers. So, to start off with, Jefferson and Madison, like I said, were good at penning documents and also being good orators. Um, Jefferson was an anti-king uh, person, anti-monarchy. So, it, whatever he wrote basically on paper translated to why he thinks the U.S. should be the way it is. Um, his idea of frame of reference is very different from our frame of reference today. But he was very influenced by living in France. For a short time, he saw how the French were, uh, you know, going through their own revolution, the French revolutionary history. Um, and then he saw how major cities were basically places where disease and corruption happened regularly. And he thought the solution to the United States to make it different was to expand westward in order to best, um, you know, like fight against cities and corruption and politics. In other words, if people have land to expand into, they're less likely to be revolutions or rebellions or however you want to call it. Okay. The Federalist Papers, like I said, were the starting documents, um, the starting documents to talking about um, the U.S. history. So if you'd like to read more about the Federalist Papers, I would recommend reading this book and perhaps specific papers about that document. Jefferson was doing his best to end the practice of slavery without upsetting the status quo. He believed that the more U.S. relied on slaves, the more we would resemble a serf them from the medieval times. He wanted to ensure that Americans were self-reliant. So the time period of U.S. history, the late 1700s, early 1800s, was a very very strange time indeed. Mainly because, as we said, it started as colonial and sort of eked away into the 1800s. We get to see how slavery is affecting the United States. Slavery was brought over from, of course, the British Empire, which had the transatlantic slave trade. Many states in the United States depended upon slavery, something that is pretty much the economy in most major states. Where Jefferson and Madison were from, the state of Virginia, slavery was pretty much a very important part of the economy. So the economic north of the U.S., places like New York and Connecticut, depended heavily upon you know, manufacturing and textiles. The southern half of the United States, places like Tennessee, Georgia, uh, you know, like Virginia, places like that, Kentucky, they often relied heavily upon slaves. So, at this time, main thing to know is that Jefferson was in the middle of a conflicting time period. They knew slavery was wrong. They did not know how to end it, mainly because two two reasons. One, completely upsetting the status quo. No one was quite sure what would happen if all of a sudden a bunch of people were freed. Number two, nobody was sure what, what to do with the people. You know, how do you train someone to live a normal life after going through slavery for most of their adult life? It's very hard for people to adjust and to live in society again. And, of course, in the novel, a lot of slavery ideas were brought up that were wrong and racially unequal. You know, Jefferson and Madison were products of their time period and often thought that the best way for people of African-American descent were to live separately 
on a different territory or colony. Um, they wanted to relieve the pressure and so that you know people who were of slavery background would not want to fight against their uh, you know opponents. You know, basically it goes like this. If your enemy is someone who's fighting you, like the British, the U.S. did not want people who were slaves to suddenly have the desire to join with England in order to conquer the U.S. So, as a result, Jefferson often thought maintaining the status quo was the answer to not releasing slaves, which is sad because he has a very complicated relationship with African Americans, as we will see later. Okay. So, how he thought Americans should be self-reliant, they should be focusing on farming. As I said, did not want to focus on cities and manufacturing, thought the answer to having a healthy, robust economy was farming. Uh, One of Jefferson's most famous bills in Virginia legislature was an educational reform bill that would provide public education for the people regardless of their social status. It was an idea too revolutionary for the time, even by today's standards that public education should be affordable to all, and that the idea of having a state-sponsored school so that way anyone of any descent and background could get an education, of course, probably for the white people living at the time, not for African Americans and women, as we shall see later. But the idea still stands as Jefferson was one of the first you know, sponsors of a bill that would have pushed for educational reform. Okay, one of Jefferson's ideas is to destabilize the British Empire and was to secure support from Europe. Benjamin Franklin was successful in getting France to recognize the United States after the Revolutionary War. Jefferson wanted to raise funds to the Italian community. He thought he could create a financial panic by having them withdraw money from the English banks at the same time. All right, a lot to unpack here. So Jefferson, as I said, is an anti-monarchy person very much against the British Empire, very much against King George III, who caused the Revolutionary War by overtaxation in the first place. As a result, people like Jefferson were seen as traitors to the British Empire. And, well, that kind of creates resentment if you've been living your life in the United States and are branded as a traitor. So, Jefferson had ideas to fight against the British Empire. What you should know is, at the time, the British Empire was forcing what's called impressment. Impressment is is if they catch you as an American, you were not recognized as a citizen of a sovereign nation. You were impressed back into the service of the Royal Navy. Oftentimes, Americans, when traveling abroad, were not recognized as citizens. And as a result, even into the later 1800s, if you sailed around the Caribbean, for instance, you were very likely to be attacked by a British ship and seen as a traitor and should be impressed back into the Royal Navy as a service member. Just an idea that was crazy to me. Um, as I said, Benjamin Franklin was successful in getting the France to recognize the United States. A big part of the reason why uh, comes down to economics and the British-Franco rivalry. Um, so Jefferson had the idea of if... There's a way to fight against morally and get the superior high ground against the British, or how could they possibly fight against the British Empire that was trying to crush them at the time of the Revolutionary War? And one of those crazy schemed ideas Jefferson had was to raise a financial panic. And so he thought that the Italian community living abroad would be very likely to listen to his pleas and his ideas. And his main idea was if all the Italian community 
were to withdraw money at the same time, it would cause a financial panic in England. Okay. Madison wanted to arm the slaves against the British by promising freedom. The British promised the same thing if they served the crown. This brought out fears that it would ruin the economy as a major workforce would be leaving. The idea was eventually abandoned. Okay, so you get the gist of this. Basically, during the you know, Revolutionary War, Madison had the idea of what if we arm slaves? You know, if African Americans and white people from the United States fought alongside together, they would be promised their freedom and they could fight against the tyranny of the British Empire. The problem was is that the Crown, aka the British Empire, offered the same thing. That's why the idea was abandoned, because it was very likely that you would have people join both sides. So the idea was eventually thought of but discarded by both sides. In 1781, Jefferson barely managed to escape the capture by the British as they were in Charlottesville and ransacking his property. Charlottesville is in Virginia and is not too far from where Jefferson's mansion was located. As a result, he barely missed being captured by the British. Okay, Jefferson believed that slavery was evil, but took the position that African slaves were not capable of humanity. He preferred the American Indian as someone who was more educatable. One of the sad facts of the Jefferson relationship and Madison relationship was their views on slavery. As I've said before, Jefferson's views were highly shaped by the time period. Jefferson saw Native Americans or Indians as more likely to be uh, someone who could be transferring into white society. The idea of expansion into the West knew that white settlers would eventually run into Native Americans, but Jefferson's idea was essentially that Natives would eventually integrate into white society or abandon their ideas and realize that the white settlers were better off and join them. But, uh, you know, or that their communities would remain still isolated, but they would still learn from the white communities what religion is, and more importantly, you know, how to live a better life than what they were currently living. However, Jefferson thought of as African Americans as not someone who he could teach. He thought of them as needing forced labor to get them to work. A very pro-slavery thought. Even though he considered slavery a sin, as I said, he did not wish to upset the status quo. All right. Both Madison and Jefferson acknowledged that any American who borrowed credit would need to pay back the British. The British wanted interest also paid on the debts America needed trade. One of the problems after the Revolutionary War is that the, the United States needed trading partners and fast. You know, you have to pay all the people when forming a government. And specifically, you just had a bunch of soldiers fight a war for you. They're going to need land, they're going to need money, they're going to need some kind of payment. Many relationships had already existed because the British Empire had British subjects in what was then colonial America. As a result, many of those Americans had trade debts with the British Empire. The British basically needed money, and they needed the U.S. to pay their debts off. The, Brit the Americans needed trade desperately, and so it was decided that the United States would pay back any debts that were before the Revolutionary War. Many Americans thought of, as soon as the American Revolutionary War was over, that they would no longer have to pay the debts that they owed. So say if you borrowed money to take a loan to buy a farm in the United States, many thought that they would not have to pay you know, their loan anymore, which was incorrect, as we shall see. Many Americans were still 
responsible for paying back what they had taken fairly from the British. However, the British wanted extra interest on these, as they felt that they had not had payments in a significant amount of time during the Revolutionary War. Okay, Jefferson gained national prominence for signing the Declaration of Independence, but he did not ha- this did not happen until he ran for president. A very true and an interesting fact about Jefferson is that he was not nationally well-known until he decided to be running for president. As a result of this, Jefferson in the newspapers was seen as just a, a single man as part of a larger political machine with revolutionary ideas. But it wasn't until, like I said, he decided to run for president that his role in the foundation of the United States was seen as more historical. The vice president and president would be whoever came first and second in the early U.S. elections. A very important fact about the U.S. political system is at the time of when they were forming, you know, essentially when people like George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, and James Madison were president, um, this idea is that their idea of political parties was not formed yet. The idea of how we see Republicans and Democrats today is something that would come in the near future, but at the time was seen as we don't know how this works, the transfer of power, the transfer of ideas. George Washington was not really a party member, but his ideals were seen as more of a Federalist Party, which was something that would eventually come to be in power. When Jefferson eventually took over the third president of the United States, Jefferson was given the choice of how do I transition the power? from the Federalist-type party to my party, which is the Republican Party. Eventually, the ideals were switched, and it was a safe transfer of power, and the United States remained together. But there was a very rocky period when Jefferson was running to be president, when the U.S. could have easily split into different republics. Okay, Madison can be described as the first campaign consultant. So during Jefferson's uh, you know, running for president... Um, you know, as a result of this, uh, he needed a campaign consultant. Madison was the forerunner for being the first ever campaign consultant. Jefferson believed every state has the power to veto. Something that is very different today than is different uh, way back when is that in today's society in the United States, the president has the power to veto. But Jefferson really believed that every state has the ability to veto. Uh, you know, bills and regulations. Jefferson never wanted to emancipate the slaves. Uh, no one man could be created, credited with the Louisiana Purchase. So, as I mentioned earlier, Jefferson's uh, idea of emancipating slaves, even when he was president, did not come to fruition. And no one person can be credited with the idea of the Louisiana Purchase. But without getting into French history... When Napoleon came to power, it was believed that he would extend his empire in the United States as well. As a result, there was a little bit of conflict between the French, the Spanish, the English, and the United States. As a result of this conflict, eventually Napoleon was dragged into wars that eventually would be going on in Europe. When this happened, he needed money to finance his empire. As a result, he decided to sell the entire Louisiana Territory. The United States, as I said, purchased this legally before any other country, such as Spain or England, could recognize this as unconstitutional. Uh, 
Next, we have Jefferson's wife and daughter died during childbirth. It was during his presidency it came out that he was sleeping with the slave Sally Hemings. Jefferson had an unfortunate personal history. Jefferson's uh, wife passed away during childbirth, although he did have grandchildren. His daughter also died during childbirth. As a result, he had a very complicated relationship with women. Most importantly, he eventually did have other sons and daughters you know, that came about from his relationship with a personal slave, Sally Hemings. Sally Hemings you know, was not linked until Jefferson until he ran for president. Um, the relationship is not explored fully yet in my book. I am excited to see where this goes, but I am pretty sure that Jefferson did love Sally Hemings but their relationship was very complicated as Jefferson could not publicly admit that he was in love with an African-American. And that is all for now. Uh, So, oh wait, sorry, one more thing. I do have one more thing I want to bring up, which was that Alexander Hamilton was the greatest rival of Thomas Jefferson and the leader of the Federalist Party, while Jefferson was the leader of the Republican Party. It was under Jefferson's vice president, Aaron Burr, that Hamilton would eventually insult that led to a duel that decided in Alexander Hamilton's death, uh, which is an unfortunate side note in a long political career in history. Okay, so that's the end of the first half of the book. Uh, There's a lot to unpack there, of course. Um, Definitely do your research and read more. Now, what did I think overall of the book? Like I said, I think it's very long and complicated, And there's a lot of letters and details and history. And at some point, I just want to say, well, I love history and I love reading about it. This is quite boring for someone who enjoys action and novels and history footnotes. This book is going to be the first ever book where I give a one-star rating. I'm going to finish this book because I'm determined and I'm over halfway now. But more importantly, I just feel like that this is not the kind of book that would be accessible to most people. And as a result, it is sort of a waste. You know, like it's the kind of thing where if you like it, you'll definitely seek it out. But this is not a book that I would recommend pretty much to almost anyone, unless you're an avid history reader like myself. But even still, the challenge is you're going to have to do a lot of research and read about words you may not know already. And as a result, the the progress of reading this book is very slowed down. Uh, Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Um, We're going to talk about it later when we do the second half. And uh, thank you again for listening. Please share this podcast with a friend. I really appreciate it. And uh, hope to listen to all of you in the future. You can always email me at scott, S-C-O-T-T, Bernstein, B-E-R-N-S-T-E-I-N, 16, at yahoo.com. Have a great day.